0: Hi, I'm Jamie Wincup from Red Bull Racing Australia. I'm Dave Reynolds from the Baldo Racing Team.
1: Hi, I'm James Moffat from the Norton Hornets. Hi, I'm Chaz Mostert from Four Pepsi Max route, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. It is look, oh, it's a great, it's a fun track. Um, I was conceived on the bolt, so um, <laughs> be, been here before.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't say it's the number one target on our radar. We're all about winning races and trying to win a championship at the moment, but but we, you know, Kim and I chip away at it. But right now, we have nothing.
1: Sometimes they're not dickhead you could say it's just it's, they're just there's good racing and i enjoy it yeah. from the racetracks across australia and around the world here's inside supercars
2: hello and welcome to this week's show as we head towards the enduros joining me to discuss the topics of the week from race facts tony whitlock
3: hi uh, hello there
2: from uh, Speedweek, it's Richard Crayle. Good evening, Crowley. Good evening, team. How are we? It's uh, an interesting time in V8 supercars. What interests me was V8 supercars getting a mention in ICAT, the Newcastle Herald having a story that... Brown uh,
3: well, envelopes you're talking about, I think. Uh,
2: well, yeah, there were some persons of interest meeting up at the Sydney 500 over the years. The 2015 dates formats, they'll be revealed before Sandown and their supercars expected to park their unused wrecks was uh, speed cafe's story for shane van Gisbergen, and richard he's confirmed to co-drive with simon evans yeah correct in
4: the acts uh, of over in new zealand he'll drive with simon evans not the rally driving multiple champion absolute lunatic that we know here in oz but the older brother of gp2 star mitch running in Super Tours. Simon's coming off the back of his first ever season in Super Tours. He's been second in the championship behind Greg Murphy. Fairly handy achievement, I'd reckon. He's a good young star of the future and that's a pretty good co-driver sign-up. And the other thing we're looking at, Craig, is the details have been locked away for the Dunlop Series Enduro, which they're doing on Saturday on the Mountain, which I think is going to be a ripping race and they've confirmed some of the details around exactly who can co-drive in that.
3: That sounds terrific thing, that whole format. It really does. I mean, it's just going to help so many... Those young guys come on that bit more.
2: John Crennan's going to leave Nissan Motorsport, Tony. An interesting decision to make the move now.
3: Yes, indeed. I mean, could you retire with Todd Kelly's imminent retirement, maybe? I and mean, he's stepping back to be a co driver. Look, John is an enormously powerful and uh, wonderful, impactful man. You know, his 20 plus years or 40 plus years with uh, General Motors products with Holden first and then. Uh, HSV and HRT is incredible. One of the interesting aspects of the whole birth of the uh, Nissan Motorsport again was that Jeff Fisher was working in the sales department or marketing department rather at Holden and befriended John uh, Crennan and it was when he was at Nissan that he uh, thought there was a chance for a motorsport involvement and rang up John and they went and met, met and had coffee in Dan and all, and uh, that's where that whole thing started. And look, I think it's fantastic. John has had many different lives and many different impacts in different areas. He's a wonderfully uh, important person in Australian motorsport and the automotive industry.
2: Speed Cafe also reporting that Todd Kelly is willing to sacrifice his permanent drive for the team's future.
3: Yeah, I mean, Todd, unfortunately, has been occupying the wrong end of the uh, breed and the results in, in quite some years. I mean, we all know that he's won championships and finished high up and won back and stand downs and things like that. But there's an enormous load on their shoulders and it would appear that Todd's carrying probably a bit more than Rick as the older brother and it, it might well uh, be a benefit to the team for him to step out and just have that that out-of-car experience far more than the, uh, the driving.
2: To our program guest, Will Davison has just announced that he's got a new sponsor for the rest of this season and going into next year as well with Bico home appliances coming on the team. He caught up with Peter Norton, and we'll hear that interview after this. Tune in each weekday morning for a fast-paced
1: look at V8 Supercars with Supercars Today. It's a short sharp look at what's happening across the V8 Supercars world. I thought, to be honest, I thought the Townsville race on Sunday was a bit too long.
4: I thought um, it took a bit too long to to draw to its conclusion for people to understand how the race was going to go.
1: Supercars Today. Each weekday morning at sportradio.com.au or sign up for the podcast on iTunes. Hi, I'm Fabian Colthart and you're listening to Inside Supercars. you're listening to inside supercars will davison they say that a wet track is that the great leveler and of course uh saturday at uh, sydney motorsport park you had a very good run on, on the wet uh, was that rewarding as well to, to maybe uh, silence some of the doubters about your personal ability
0: oh <laughs> well, I, I, yeah i couldn't give a crap if there's personal doubters about my personal doubters with my ability um yeah, I don't know why there would be. I mean, it's. Uh, I think it's it's brave what I've done. Trust me, I've I've finished top three in the championship three out of the last four years with the big teams. Uh, I knew I could keep doing that. I wanted to challenge myself uh, with a new team and, and try and top triple eight at the end of the day. And um, you know, I don't I don't need to prove myself. I got a long term deal here, and yeah, the wet was a lot of fun. It was. Uh, you need a good car in the wet, and we had a good car, and I felt like I drove two really good races yesterday, storming through. But um, you know, at the end of the day. I've been the new hotshot, you know, on the scene at DJR, the underdog. Everyone's talking about you. You know, then uh, HRT, fantastic year. Sure enough, the next year you have a struggle. Everyone forgets about you, writes you off. Boom, come back at FPR. You're a hero again. And if anyone wants to uh, doubt me now, good luck to them because uh, no no doubt in the next 12 months or so um, I would have remembered how to drive again. So, um, no, I think we're doing a great job, to be honest. Lee's probably... uh, one of the fastest teammates I've ever had. It's just people don't know when you are not sitting up on the front row, every race together. So um, I think it gives him confidence, knowing that you know I've, I've won sixteen, seventeen races and sixteen poles in the last three years. You know, knowing in a factory team that I've been right up there, and, and now we're, we're bouncing off each other well. And um, you know, no doubt um, we know we know the job we're doing is good, and uh, soon everyone else will see that. The thing here ahead now for the next couple of races, which are of course
1: the uh, endurance races. This time last year there was all the talk about additional pit stops for fuel and people aren't talking so much about that. Is that still an issue this year?
0: Well, obviously, uh, you know, economy's improved for us, but, yeah, it's it's still an issue. But I think the the fuel regulations certainly uh, and the pit stop regulations certainly help help us to hopefully create an equal opportunity for, for all teams to take out the great race. So... Um, uh, there's still certain situations and circumstances that could pay against us, um, but you know we're working hard on our engine program. Like I said, hopefully we'll have a, our new spec in for the Enduros that we've been working very hard on, which will hopefully see again in power, drivability, and economy. Um, but these are all the things we need, and. Um, uh, it's just a matter of time, but oh, I couldn't be more excited about the enduros. Obviously, the opportunity to drive with my brother is going to be great, and uh, couldn't be more motivated to hopefully, um, you know, execute like we did this weekend. We we actually maximised our package this weekend, which wasn't um, you know it wasn't fast enough, uh, but as a team, I think we did a great job, and I think a circuit like Sandown, our car is going to be up another level, very competitive, and if we can execute there, I think um, you know we could be standing on a podium you mentioned the engine upgrade that's coming what other things are part of uh, the preparation for the endurance races What what's different
1: about them compared to a normal race weekend
0: oh jeez I mean lots of things I mean firstly getting, uh, getting a co-driver uh, up to speed, getting him familiar with the team, and getting to know your co-driver. I know him pretty well, being my brother, uh, and he knows this team very well from his years at Stone Brothers. So that's certainly handy, and uh, just getting ourselves into enduro mode. So um, obviously, guys having well-drilled pit stops, um, you know, checking the, the life and and reliability of all the components in your car and uh, really to be honest with you they're nearly just slightly extended sprint races now the way we go about them uh, you've got to be extremely well drilled prepared and um, you know this team's as as well organized as any in pit lane you know it's a lot of experienced guys here with a lot of uh, good structures and foundations in place um, from all their years in the sport and uh, yeah at the end of the day it's a very exciting time of the year I think especially for Erebus um, you know New to V8 supercars, but obviously uh, their experience at the 12 Hour. Betty, you know, loves the mountain. Uh, I'd love to, you know, lay a foundation, get our first proper result at the mountain, whatever that may be. Just have a really clean run through the Enduros, and uh, that—that's obviously from my job to my brother's job, trying to have a fast car, reliable car, well-drilled pit stops, good strategy. These are all the things we need to keep building as a team together, and uh, I'm enjoying working with them all, and because we know soon we're going to have some faster things on the car and if we can control all those small things and we've got a car capable to win well then uh, we'll be able to do that It Looks like uh, some exciting things to come We look forward to uh, uh, chatting to you and talking about some of that success Cheers, thanks
1: The views expressed on Inside Supercars including the panellists and guests do not reflect the views of the network Thunder Media or Sport Radio Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world.
4: And you know, every every
1: year I see Jackie's Cup Grand Prix, and I just remind myself. Of, of his part in, in starting the, the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
3: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark not only on Australian motorsport but motorsport all around the world.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au Hi, I'm Lee Holdsworth from Erebus Motorsport and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
2: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. It's Tony Whitlock and Richard Crowley. Crowley, new formats practice on Friday. How does this change the way the show is conducted?
4: Well, it's going to be interesting and it depends whether we're looking forward into 2015 or still talking about what we've got this year, but Going forward, the, the biggest issue that V8 Supercars have got when it comes to actually working out how their race meeting program is structured is the fact that the new TV dealer is going to have such a role in deciding what the program is. And, you know, we're talking about switching Foxtel on, on one of their major channels on Friday morning at some stage and playing through the whole day, potentially at least, seeing practice sessions live on Friday, all the nitty-gritty, the minutia behind the scenes, feature interviews, profiles and all that as we build up into the race weekend proper and and get an idea about what's going on. So I I like the concept that was breached this week, though, of rolling some of the testing into Friday and maybe giving them some properly meaningful running because at the moment Friday, on the rounds where they've been doing a lot of running on Friday, they've had three 20-minute or 30-minute sessions, and that's not particularly meaningful. They maximise it as best as they can, but there's only so much you can do. So they're talking about rolling back some of the testing and as it is they're only allowed four days testing during the season and maybe opening up Friday to be a bit more open slower, and perhaps give them some proper running. So whether that's three one-hour sessions or a couple of hour and a half blocks or some proper time where you can do actually test, not practice, but test, try new things, block a new driver in if you need to use your enduro drivers to get them up to speed for the season of endurance and of course the byproduct of that is it'll make much more interesting television because covering a practice session is pretty hard work and you know i do it for big screen at all the rounds uh, for the support categories and even short 20 minute practice sessions there it's pretty hard because there's not much on the line but if you give them something more to play for it's going to make the product better it'll make fridays better and the real hardcore fans that go to all three days of each event will get more out of it too so it, seems to me at this stage that it's a good concept if that's what they're going to do.
2: Tony, we do this, but we cut all but the mandatory test day at the beginning of the year.
3: Yeah. I mean, it's fascinating coming on the back of Sydney Motorsport Park. I mean, it was some years ago that there was two-day race meetings. I can't remember where they were, but there are a number of them. Um, and it's interesting that, that it appears that, you know, certainly uh, it, Sydney Motorsport Park was a success. Never heard any crowd figures, but anyway. The racing was spectacular, and certainly it didn't seem to uh, disadvantage anybody not having an extra day's running. Pressing it all in, made a very busy Saturday, but it does also mean that um, they'll have sessions which will have meaning. And the one thing, of course, they've got to make sure is that everybody goes out in that last session of the day uh, on the same tyre. So that, you know, Mm -hmm. it really is a comparison, not the silliness of whether somebody's using used, soft or hard old tyres or, you know, whatever the running is sort of thing. So that, you end up with a real comparison at the end of the day. This is how they all stack up. But, yeah, look, I think it, it's, a, it's a good move to try. It was terrific, the fact that Sydney Motorsport Park was such a success because it, it was largely on the Saturday because the, the wet running and that mixed up the order and, and, you know, it was tremendous racing because some of the other Saturday racing this year has been pretty bloody boring.
2: They get criticised a lot for changing things halfway through and, and Damien White this year has been pretty good. He goes, he's put up his hand a number of times and said, look, last thing I like doing is changing it when we set it, but X, Y, Z reason has changed since we said we were going to do it in, in September last year. And I, I think that's an honest way to approach it.
4: Yeah, you've got to be adaptable with running the sport and, and, and change it to set it up. And, and the ability to change things on the fly might not seem ideal, but it's often better than just riding out a season when you can see something's not working as well as perhaps you'd like it. The funny thing about Sydney, and I agree with Tony's point, it was a very entertaining weekend of racing. The funny thing about it was that most of the drivers I spoke to were there on the Friday uh, or Thursday afternoon anyway, and the teams, yeah. most of them bumped in with the skeleton crew Thursday, so at the same time as they would have normally. The, the funny thing that I, I laughed about was that half a dozen teams stayed around until Tuesday testing uh, and doing ride days. So in the end, it actually turned out to be a five-day race meeting, and the longest one of the year. The rides were done on
3: Friday, I think.
4: Meeting, yeah. meeting rides on Friday afternoon, But it still ran yeah. on Friday, but it was only the only the ride session. Um, the thing for me, the, the biggest comment that I read in the last week was, "Well, we're not we're not monetising the test day, and it's not a fan experience." Well, make it one. That's that's the thing. Rather than just killing off all testing and doing it all on Friday, they've proven that the Sydney test day attracts five or six or seven thousand people. Why not do another one in the middle of the year, give the teams another test day, a standalone day away from a race meeting so they've got a full day's running, do it at Phillip Island or do it at Stand Down or somewhere and make it another open test day. Mm. That would be the other option. And do two of them rather than just one. Do a mid-season test during the break and, um, and just roll all the other test days into, um, into the race meetings. That uh, might be the how about this,
2: Richard? The official Season of Endurance test day. <laughs> well, that would make sense. Hey,
4: it's uh, not a crazy idea, Craig. You've
2: no. had a few. Yeah, <laughs> I've had more than a few. Hey, interestingly, uh, whilst we're talking testing, of course, number of teams... Yesterday, a couple of teams actually bypassed... Uh, yesterday, when I say yesterday, I mean Monday. Monday, a couple of teams actually put off their Monday test at Winton because they thought it was going to rain. Interestingly, Morgan Park being used by Triple Eight and by Techno on Tuesday.
3: This whole testing scenario, I mean, clearly the teams are wanting to reduce their costs. I mean that's what it's all about it's not wanting to reduce their knowledge bank um one interesting aspect of this year is there are probably less overseas drivers than we've had probably for the last five years Mm -hmm. it is a smaller field of uh, blokes traveling on uh, long planes than uh, for a long time partially probably the amount of testing have a chance to drive these cars outside a race meeting
2: oliver galvin was in the car this week and Getting some valuable miles. Where Nick had said, "I'm just here to hand him his drinks because I'm driving the car all the time."
3: Yeah,
4: yeah, exactly right. And that was very much the same with the Jack Daniels Racing Boys tested at Winton. They did run Monday. They rained. They said, "Well, look, we're going to." The rain was forecast at one o'clock, and and remarkably, it actually came at the time it was forecasted. So they got a half day dry testing. They stuck around and they they ran in the rain because they said, "Well." Stand out in September, there's probably a better than 50% chance that it's going to rain at some point in that weekend. It's Melbourne in spring for crying out loud. And Bathurst could be 35 degrees or it could be 4 and torrentially sodden. So I like the fact they actually stuck around and ran in the rain. That's probably better in enduro prep than having a full day of dry weather testing because... Backers can start dry, and we've all been there, and we've all seen it happen. You can get to midday, and it can be minus 100 degrees, and, and starting on top of the mountain. So, um, yeah, interesting how they've uh, played it all out.
2: Well, we need to take a break here on Inside Supercars, but plenty more when we return. Join in the conversation. Post your
1: thoughts on our Sport Radio Facebook page. Hi, I'm Nick Perkatt from HHA Racing. You are listening to Inside V8 Supercars. Each week, join the Inside Motorsport team as they look at all the news from across Australia and around the world. And, you know, every every year I see Jackie's go Grand Prix and I just remind myself... of of his part in in starting the the path to safer cars. Dissecting the sport with interviews, news and opinion.
3: Jack Brabham certainly left his mark, not only on Australian motorsport, but motorsport all around the world.
1: Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au
2: Hi, I'm Scott Pfeiffer, and you're listening to Inside Supercars. Welcome back to Inside Supercars. Richard Crowell and Tony Whitlock. Joining me, Craig Revell, and a couple of quick things for you. Bruce Newton's reporting that Lexus might be interested in motorsport in Australia. Given that
3: Bruce is the one who broke the news some years ago about the Mercedes, I think that Bruce is well-connected in the automotive industry. I mean, Toyota has stayed so far away from circuit racing in recent years. I mean, they were big back in the uh, 80s and 90s with Corollas and things like that. Been a long time since that, brand, but Lexus in this country, I don't think they've ever dabbled here in circuit racing, have
2: they? No, not at all. But, Richard, I'll go to you with this one. Circuit of the Americas, not going to be on the V8 supercar schedule again. The contract cancelled.
4: Yeah, not the most surprising bit of news we've ever seen is that sort of the writing was on the (laughs) wall and they didn't go back for year two. I'm disappointed with that because I was looking for an excuse for an American holiday that perhaps tied in around some other racing over there. But, yeah, look... I think, you know, James has made it very, very clear that the focus now is to make sure that they consolidate their, the fact that they're an Australian championship with a couple of international races um, and just, just pull back a little bit on the international thing. So it's a shame. Um, they've had some success with international racing. My, my, if they're going to go overseas, run another race in New Zealand, run a South Island race over there, because that's a turnkey market for V8 supercars. To see the re- reception of Pukataui, go down south, hit Quinny up for one at his track. Um, I don't know. But that, if you're going to go overseas, stay in NZ for an extra week and, and do a doubleheader over there rather than uh, looking at the United States or other markets.
2: Richard, the main reason you're disappointed we're not going to America next year is because you don't get to hook up to the Indy 500 to see the... IndyCar champion Will Power win that race. Uh-huh.
4: That's correct, Craig. That's correct. And we could spend an entire show talking about how good Will Power's performance was at uh, Fontana on Sunday afternoon time, What a tremendous result for a great young Aussie driver and finally, finally sealing the deal. Yeah, remarkable story. We on, could talk all day about that.
2: On an oval, and I'll tell you what was as good as his win, his brother's tweets. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yes, what a what a celebrity he's become. I think he added a couple of thousand Twitter followers over it and, and a lot of the uh, the local press, and to the full credit of the Australian media, they have picked up on the fact that Will Power won a championship, which I'm very, very impressed with because IndyCar doesn't have a massive profile to anymore, which is a massive shame. There were more stories published about the fact that uh, his brother Damien was on a tweeting, probably drunk, rampage uh, across the course in of his, the race. In his underwear. <laughs> in his underwear, running on the main street of Toowoomba, yeah. you know, winning a championship, the comedy 101, it was absolutely brilliant. I think he's performing somewhere around Australia this week, so it might be worth a, uh, worth a look, buy some tickets, because he could be uh, very, very good fun.
3: Can I give you a quick anecdote about um, Will Power? When he drove with Larco back in 02 or 03 or whatever it was, I remember going to Larco on the Thursday night or something like that, and I said, Larco, will you keep a doctor nearby? He said, why? He said, willpower is so intense, it's like his heart's going to jump out of his chest. <laughs> yeah. And, of course, that's the young man he is. He has an intensity yeah. about him.
4: Do you know? Do you know what I think? Finally, winning this championship will do though, and a lot of the US journals I read were talking about this after the race. So now he knows. Now he knows he can win one. Now he's got yes. that stress out of the way. He won't feel that stress again. Like this could yes. be hunting season for power for the next five years. Like he could go on a streak and win five championships. Now he's got one I, out of the way, and that, a lot of them are saying that, and I, I believe it.
3: Well, we need. To... I, I certainly hope so too.
2: Nissan's at a, at a crossroads and it comes on the back of the fantastic news that Caruso and Fiori's car at Bathurst is going to be painted up in the livery of the pole sitting car of George Furies in the Bluebird Turbo days and uh, Tony that warms the heart of every fan of Australian motorsport because that car
3: was of its time just such a revelation. Having worked on two or three years of advertising Datsuns in this country, I'm fully cognizant of that fact. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, and it's stunning how nostalgia has such great meaning in this day and age in Australian motorsport. You know, the re- re-showing of uh, DJR and all the other uh, liveries over the years has been fantastic, and it reminds people of, that we do have a, a really strong and proud history there. Um, you know, 30 years ago, you know, that turbocharged engine made its debut and bang on its very first pole. It's fantastic. And yeah, I, I couldn't be more pleased to see, you know, the Caruso's and Moffat's particularly who are doing so well this year.
4: It's, it's great. And the livery looks sensational. They've done a very, very good job. Very simple. Paint the car white, wax and blue and red stripes up the side of it uh, and send it, but uh, they've been very good with, with playing up to the Nissan heritage in the sport, which a lot of people forget. Um, they'll probably be a bit controversial if they rock up with a Winfield Racing livery uh, from back in 1992, <laughs> which is, I think would be fantastic, but a bit politically incorrect, perhaps, for a major carmaker. But it's great. And, of course, remember this year Dick Thompson Racing are doing another tremendous heritage livery, uh, harking back to that classic 94 Cell FAI racing Falcon that um, won the '94 oh. race with with Dick and JB when they uh, out hustled this young kid that we would later learn was Craig Lowndes. Getting yeah, back,
2: yeah. getting back to the Nissans, though, and your Winfield Godzilla reference. Instead of, like we're going to see this time, George Fury cutting a few laps with the Bluebird Turbo, if they do bring the windfield <coughs> delivery out, does that mean the highlight is they get Jim up on the podium to call everyone a bunch of assholes? <laughs> well, remember,
4: he won. Didn't he win 02? we know two. We've stayed It was nearby. It was about 10 years after that, that moment, anyway. So <laughs> I think Richo is uh, far too mellow these days to. Uh, to worry about all that kind of stuff it'd be funny though wouldn't it to the point at hand though
2: the crossroads for nissan richard how do you see it going is todd stepping aside for another driver going to be able to help bridge the gap
4: uh well it might just to help you focus on the management side and you know we spoke earlier about john Crennan leaving the team i think he leaves it in the best it's been um since they found it so all the hard work's done the infrastructure's there the cars are there clearly they're getting better um, and we've seen that, as Tony mentioned just before, with the improved performances in the second half of the year, with Moff and Caruso running right at the front of the field, especially in the yellow side of the garage. Look, it'd be safe to see him step back. But from a selfish note for Todd, it might open up the opportunity for him to be the gun enduro co-driver and drive with Rick. And race with his brother yeah. again, which would be a great storyline for for the pair of them, for the, the family team. But yeah, it might help give them some more direction outside of um, outside of the cockpit with Crenno leaving. Maybe he steps back runs the team day-to-day day and focuses on the engineering side of making the cars quick uh, rather than having to worry about being a, a driver as well. And who knows who they put then in that seat? I guess it depends on what Jack Daniels want, what the team are after in terms of the young driver or a more experienced driver. There's a, a few around that would probably make a, a good addition to that
3: team. You'd almost think they need to go and find the next Scott McLaughlin. In the, they, they've got three drivers. I mean, Rick obviously with far more experience than either Mock or Caruso, but all three of those guys can regularly... You know, stick the car up very close to being in the top ten and when they've got a car that's slightly faster, obviously they'll be capable of getting those top fives on a regular basis and then the the race results. So it's almost like they need to have somebody they're going to be grooming to be the next fast young guy.
2: Look, a break and then a final thought right after this.
1: Join in the conversation. Post your thoughts on our Facebook page. And to ask a question, email insiders at sportradio.com.au. for Daniel Ricardo's old man to have found a few mates to tip some money in and send him overseas. there actually needs to be a structure... Inside Motorsport broadcast on community radio and online at sportradio.com.au.
0: Hi, I'm David Reynolds, and you're listening to Inside Supercars.
2: Welcome back to Inside Supercars. A final thought from Tony Whitlock.
3: You know, I'm taking a break and a step back from the series, and one of the things being just a television viewer this year is amazed me scotty mclaughlin's qualifying pace now obviously they've had a few dnfs that cars had some breaks in a few different ways but one of the stunning things about scotty is he has got the best qualifying average of any driver since jamie Whincup cup in 2011 without a 2.7 average over the year and that currently Scotty is running at 3.8. Now, that is a stunning thing, the fact he's outperforming Wink. cup. Now everyone says, oh, yeah, but the Volvo is very fast. Okay, it might be fast, but he's got a teammate who's okay he's learning the car and learning the tracks, but a professional racing driver, he should be sticking closer to his young teammate than he is. Um, so that Scotty's speed is all just not a fast Volvo. Undoubtedly, he's using the car, but it's that same old adage. You've still got to drive it, and I think Scotty has done a stunning job.
2: Your final thought, Richard?
4: My final thought stems around the IndyCar finale, Craig, and as you well know, I'm a big fan of IndyCar racing. There was a a member of the IndyCar community recently that for the sport to grow, they need a culture change within everybody in the sport to stop talking it down. Everyone in IndyCar has been playing it down and going, you know, our ratings aren't great, but we chip away, rah, rah, rah. Instead, they need to talk about how fantastically competitive it is, how there are 11 winners from 18 races this year, how the championship came down to the wire for the ninth. In a row at Fontana And I think we need to do that with V8 Supercars I'm sped up with people talking down about our sport, oh there's only 25 cars on the grid, Wing Cup's going to win another championship is too dominant, all the sport's in dire financial health. There's no doubt there's issues, there's no doubt there's problems but there's got to be a culture change from within to get people talking about the positive aspects rather than continually focusing on the negatives, which just seems to be the way we work. Talk about the fact that so far this year every one of the manufacturers in the sport and there's five of them have featured at the front of the field and been on the front row or been on the podium. The field regularly qualified within three or four tenths of a second with five manufacturers and 25 different racing car drivers from around Australia and the world. You know, for all the issues that we've got, and every sport's got them, we've got to start getting people to talk about the positive aspects more because it's a whipping championship. It really is... Super competitive. The racing's been very, very good. There's some great personalities in it. I think we need to use it more.
2: My thanks to Richard Crowell and Tony Whitlock uh, for joining us here on the show this week.
4: Thanks, boys. Pleasure the
2: always. Look forward to, uh,
3: well, I'll certainly look forward to seeing you, Richard, at Sandown, and uh, Craig, I'll uh, catch you at Bathurst on Sunday.
2: That's all we have time for this week on the show. Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now.
1: Inside Supercars is produced by Thunder Media. Tune in next week for more at sportradio.com.au or lock in the podcast on your
4: iTunes or mobile device. Search Inside Supercars.